Welcome to Outspoken, where we dive deep into the topics and intersection of technology, money, business, and passion. I'm your host, Shana Cosgrove. Wouldn't you want to be known for? Because in the end, that's what will bring you joy and is your passion. We needed to have a connection with each other. So every morning we have to talk. Every Wednesday we have coffee or breakfast. You have to have that connection with your business partner, especially when you're working remotely. You have to submit to win. And even if you lose and you get a debrief, that's still a learning experience and it's still a win. Women business owners are legitimate. I don't think we're always looked at in that light when we start a business. This podcast is sponsored by Nyla Technology Solutions, an SBA-certified 8A, hub-zone, woman-owned small business specializing in full-stack software engineering and data science services to the U.S. government. Our innovative solutions are built to match the speed of mission. For more information, partnering opportunities, and new job openings, please visit our website, www.nyla.io. Tell me where you both are. So we are both in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And how long have you both lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana? So I have lived here my whole life. I did five years in Indianapolis and then moved back once we had kids. And what about you, Lisa? I have lived in Fort Fun my whole entire life. Oh, you both have? Yeah, I've never lived anywhere else. Ashley, I thought your husband was in the military. He was stationed in Fort Wayne. That's where we met. And then he got transferred to Indy for five years. And he ran the whole state marketing for the Indiana National Guard. And then once we had kids, he got moved up to Fort Wayne and did ROTC for one of the colleges up here. And now he's back to recruiting. Ashley, please introduce yourself. My name is Ashley Spur. I am co-owner of Elevare, and I have been helping small businesses contract with the federal government for just over 10 years. And I started working for a woman-owned 8A in Indiana. I was brought onto the team after they won a large contract, and then I helped her company outgrow their 8A status three years early. My name is Lisa Harris. I'm co-owner of Elevare, and I've been in sales my whole entire career. Um, The last 16 years, I've primarily been focused on federal sales, which is my passion and my love. I've been in commercial sales, state sales, but once I got a taste for federal sales, I never looked back. Ashley and I actually worked for the same woman-owned 8A business. That's where we met. We didn't know anything about federal sales when we started. So we learned everything from the ground up. Who started at that other company first? I started there first. And then we brought Ashley on as to help the federal sales team because once we won the large contract, we found that we needed assistance, kind of keeping the ball rolling, building our pipeline. Lisa, what was your role at that company? I was the business development project manager for all the business development teams. So I oversaw federal sales, state sales, and commercial sales for the company. What was their split like? Initially, it was about 50-50 with state and commercial. But once we won the federal contract, which was $125 million, 
that became the largest contract. And then we realized rather quickly that we needed to adjust our sales strategy and start focusing a little bit more on federal sales. And was it you who interviewed Ashley? No, I didn't interview her. She had a family member that owns the company and she got brought onto the team to support us. Oh, I didn't know that. Who was it in your family? It was my aunt. Really? Yes. So she owned it. I was Um, just going to ask if you're still friends with the owner. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I worked for the company she owned, but I had a boss or leads that I reported to. Had you ever worked for her before? No. How did she pull you in? I actually have my master's degree in psychology and I worked for a nonprofit here in Fort Wayne and I ran their outpatient day room for three to six-year-olds who suffered with mental illness and it became very exhausting. And so I was looking for something different and she's like, oh, I have a job for you. You can be like an administrative support. So I left that job and went to work for her. And then from there, my position grew from five hours a week up to full time. Lisa, are you the calmest salesperson? I always imagine salespeople as like pacing the room, chewing gum, throwing things. And that does not seem to be your demeanor. I have a pretty calm demeanor, but you know, I was always in the background of sales. I managed the salespeople their goals, what they needed to achieve, you know, oversaw their strategies where they needed to be headed. So I was kind of behind the scenes sales management. So when Ashley and I started our company four and a half years ago, and we realized that we would have to go out and sell ourselves and find clients, that was new territory for us. I can't believe it's been four and a half years already. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. What's your start date? November 2017. And how long did you talk about it before you did it? Not very long, really. Really? So I left to stay home with our two kids in early 2013. And then Lisa and I kept talking about like, oh, while we worked for that woman-owned business, we met a lot of small businesses who just needed additional business development support because they were the owner, they were on billable, they were trying to run the company. Shana, you know all about that. Be a mother. Yes. Give back to the community. (laughs) Yes. Make dinner, you know. Work out. Work out. Go to the bathroom with nobody (laughs) opening the door. (laughs) Can I say including dogs? Because my dogs are worse than the kids. As we worked for that company, we met a lot of small businesses who wanted to succeed, but they didn't have maybe the financial resources and the time to grow. And so when I left, I had some of those small businesses reach out to me and ask me to do some independent contractor business development work remotely for them. And so Lisa and I kept talking about this idea, but I would say it was maybe what Lisa, a year from actually sitting down at a meeting and saying, we should do this to entering a pitch competition here in Fort Wayne that was for women-owned small businesses. We ended up winning that. So very quickly, we had to get a website, a business plan, an attorney and an accountant um, in place. And then I think we won that in August. And then in November, we were ready to go. Right. We first started talking about it March of 2017. We had dinner one night and we said, 
we should give this a shot. And then we attended several small business meetings with people in our community. Um, We put together a team of mentors that we previously worked with. And we just said, let's just take this as far as we can take it. When it becomes apparent, it's not going to go anywhere, we'll stop. And it never stopped. I mean, we just kept going and doors kept opening for us. And it it was an amazing journey. What made you two stand out in the speech? Our idea was clearly well thought out and met a business need for the community. We were able to lay out milestones and our financial need and how we were going to impact other small businesses and our community. We just did a really good job outlining how we were going to succeed and what we would use the funds for to accomplish our goals. How did we end up meeting? I linked with you on LinkedIn. I just kept liking your post and I hunted you down (laughs) until I got you on the phone. That's your strength. (laughs) Yes, it is. I think you got Amanda on the phone first. I think I did. I think it was Amanda. And then it took like three months to get you on the phone. I think it took like another six months for you to pull the trigger. Shana, you go down in history as our longest sales call, though. I don't... (laughs) Typically, our sales call is about 30 minutes. But I think once we got you and Amanda on the phone together, we talked for almost an hour. We Really? Yeah, it was the longest sales call we've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Did we get information for free out of you? What did we do? You know a lot of people. You have a lot of connections. You you know how this works. So I think you were really interviewing us to see if we actually knew our stuff. That takes a while. And I I think you had to be comfortable with us that we knew what we were going to, how we were going to support you and that we knew how to support you. At the time, Nyla really specialized in the intelligence community. Mm -hmm. And we know at least our customer extremely well. And we have a sense of how the other ones work. And that's all super secret, squirrely stuff that's often hard to get into. But we struggled to know how to build a pipeline with the Department of Defense and other. I lump all the (laughs) civilians into other. And someday maybe I'll get to develop an app. I know. I am looking for you every day of the National Park Service. Well, that one that you got for the Park Service that was really big about like interviewing people and creating the plan, that was super cool. We had interviewed a lot of companies and we were very careful in who we were going to work with. It's a spin-up time for you all. It's a spin-up time for us. And I had spent about a year and a half getting coached that I should have a pipeline and what these other agencies do, but I didn't know how to actually build it. And Amanda was really gun shy about buying one of the tools. She didn't want us to buy the tool and then have to spend all the time to figure out to use it and bring that on because we were already doing that with recruiting. We already have the in-house recruiting and trying to hire someone and hope that they work out like Ashley where they don't have any background and then they end up being so amazing at it that you end up starting a business. And that's, unfortunately, I got that right away with Amanda. That is actually a rare talent (laughs) to just be extremely good at what you're thrown into. You know, it's interesting you say that about the tools. And that's what we find with a lot of our clients. There's a lot of really good tools out there. And a lot of our clients own the tools to do the pipeline development and the research. But because they're small, they just don't have time to utilize those tools. They've 
fall into that sales pitch that they're going to have the tool and automatically poof, they'll have a pipeline, but it's not that easy. And that's why the service that Ashley and I offer is so important. We can manage the tool and we can take it and give them just the opportunities that they should be looking at and keep that pipeline moving. It's not as easy as it sounds. So Lisa, let's go back. You won the pitch competition. What what did you win? What did you get dollars? Right. We won money and we used that. How much money? did you get a big check yes we did yes yeah and we took the big check to a local restaurant and we sat at the bar with the big check and made the guy take a picture of us holding the how cute yeah it was pretty exciting and we used that money to buy our laptops to hire an attorney so we could get all of our legal documents prepared We registered to go to the National 8A Conference because we thought out the gate as new business owners, we should get out there and show the world who Elevare was. Where was it that year? It's in Nashville. So we went there, we bought the swag and, you know, we looked really good. Were you both wearing green? Yes. Are you looking for more from your career than just a paycheck? At Nyla, we offer that and so much more. Join us for a career where your growth is our priority. With generous pay, unbeatable benefits, and a supportive environment that cheers on your every achievement. We're scouting for top-tier data scientists, software engineers ready for something bigger. Ready to be a part of a company that cares about where you're going? We're ready for you. Check us out at nylatechnologysolutions.com or drop us a line at hello at nyla.io. That was the best thing we could have done. You know, we didn't get any business from it, but it helped us get our pitch down. It helped us prove our concept. It helped us prove to ourselves that people really do need this service. And it helped us get our pricing in order because we really didn't, you really don't know until you start throwing pricing out there, what people can afford, especially small businesses. Pricing is very, very hard. And it actually almost doesn't matter sometimes what you price because people will always either pay it or people will Mm -hmm. always not. It kind of doesn't matter. I went to this expensive restaurant this weekend and it was crazy expensive. And I thought a horrible experience and the place was packed. You never really know. Sometimes people, I think pricing psychologically is very hard, but have you adjusted your pricing a lot over time? Not a lot. We just started really high. I look back and think really high now. I'm so proud of you. But our mentors told us to start there. They said, you can always come down and you have to believe in the services that you can provide and that, you know, we have the experience and the background to command that, right? But since we were new business owners, we didn't have the confidence to offer that rate. In the marketing business, we had pricing and we tried product pricing and hourly pricing. And then what happened is we got through other things. We ended up seeing several other quotes for what people were asking for. And I was horrified to find out we were extremely low. Oh. We were near... So you should have hired us then. (laughs) Now you're screwed. Now we charge a lot more. 
<laughs> I gave you the chance. I, you do you agree, Father? I'm taking that old pricing out now. <laughs> Lisa, I wanted to know, you went from a full-time job straight into Elevare? Yeah, and that was super scary. And Ashley kind of alluded to that earlier that, you know, we won the pitch competition and all of a sudden it became really real. My boss didn't know I was doing this. My husband knew I was thinking about it, that we had to make a decision that day that I'm going to have to resign from my position. My husband gave me six months. He said, well, we'll try it out for six months and see how it goes. How long was it before you were able to replace your income? Three and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate. Yeah. So last year was the first time that... Well, congratulations if I had a bell. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And so your husband let you stick it out longer than six months? Yeah, he did. (laughs) I think he saw the benefits of me working from home me being extremely happy as a business owner, working with Ashley. I mean, Ashley and I were friends first when we worked together. Sometimes that doesn't work out for people, but I say we're very blessed that it did for us, that we can be co-owners and friends and continue to grow our business. What do you guys fight the most about? (laughs) I don't know if we... We don't fight... Um, You're so Midwestern. Don't you guys get all fiery and like argue with anybody? No. I know. (laughs) One thing that we found after a couple of years is that we needed to have a connection with each other. So every day, every morning we have to talk and every Wednesday we have coffee or breakfast. You know, you have to have that connection with your business partner especially when you're working remotely, if you have too many days that go by and you have assumptions about things, that doesn't bode well. So we're just really open and with each other. And when we reach something where we're not sure what to do, we we both will say how we would like to move forward and we take a little bit of time. And then we we usually come to a really good agreement on how to move forward on something. Tell me about your morning meeting. What is that like, your morning chat? What time is it? Is it at the same time all the time? Morning touch base calls are at 8 a.m. every weekday. And typically we just kind of go over what clients we talked to the day before and what our action items were from the calls. And then who do we have on the calendar today? Are all of our deliverables completed to them? And then what we're working on for the company, like anything internal. And then usually... What are you doing outside of work? So going to the gym, having Lisa's having her kids over for dinner, running my kids to practice. <laughs> <laughs> so we try to make it business and then something personal. It's so 8 a.m. every morning. Mm-hmm. Ashley, what your kids are young. Tell me about your family. My husband is active duty, military in the army. And then I have a son who's nine and a daughter who's eight. And my daughter is very artistic and imaginative. And my son is a boy and <laughs> loud, obnoxious, but very focused. No offense to the men out there. No, no. <laughs> but <laughs> loves football and wrestling. So he's a big Colts fan? He is. He is a big Colts fan and also a huge Lamar Jackson, Baltimore QB fan. So for Christmas, we took them to the Colts game. They loved it. 
you can tell your son, Justin Tucker's son goes to my son's school. Oh, really? So my son saw Justin Tucker yesterday. Oh, I'll have to tell him. I'm sure it's a little bit easier for you all now to do the business than it was in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. Going back though, Shana, to like your pricing question, it took us two years to figure out the right pricing, but also how to present it. We did like, okay, sign three months. And then after that, you get, you know, we'll give you a discount for three months. And then it goes up. And then it was trying to figure out how to display the pricing so that it was easy for people to understand. And I think Lisa and I, how we've paid ourselves internally from the business has evolved. First, we went hourly, then it was project, and now it's just salary. And so all of that has evolved as well. And our services have evolved. We started, um, we offered everything federal sales related. We have a business mentor now that we meet with every quarter, and he really challenges us to, what are you good at? What is your why? What do you and Ashley love to do? And we've really scaled back on what we offer to the things we're really good at and what we really enjoy doing and leave the other stuff for people that that's their business. So we have a nice network of people that write proposals, that do certifications, that help with pricing and all the other things. We, we just, that didn't make sense for us to try to do everything and be everything to everybody. And that's such a common young business thing where you sell everything. And then it's actually unique specialization, which mm-hmm. is the scariest to actually get to that provides you the most value and actually increases your value to others. And yeah, like you said, brings you joy. So I was smiling um, the whole time she was talking about it, but it's scary to get to that evolution. So there's all those small businesses out there and they're like, I do everything. (laughs) It's like, you don't do anything and you're just one person right now. And you're still figuring out like your counting software. We see that a lot though with like new 8A companies. So let's say they're an 8A company that's IT, but to utilize the 8A, they take landscape, Any contract or any low-hanging fruit they can get, which is fine. But then when you graduate the 8A program, you're not known for what you love, such as IT. You know, you're the landscape or janitorial or something that didn't align with your passion. Something to consider for all small businesses is what do you want to be known for? Because in the end, that's what will bring you joy and is your passion. Yeah, I think they get the dollar signs in mind. I think Mm -hmm. people, when they are outside looking in at a business, think everyone's making big bucks and that it's easy and fun, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's the ducks swimming on the water or the image of the glacier with just the point sticking out. And they don't understand how hard it is to get through that burn and how much you have to adjust. The other benefit of really specializing and doing what you like or know is that your passion, your body language matches your sales. Like it becomes very authentic. It's very clear when someone really likes something. It's just this slight energy change. Even if they think they're energetic about something else, it's a much more authentic energy change. And I think people can really feel it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why you're more successful. So 
people want to hire someone where this thing is your passion, right? Like you are the best at this one thing. And it's not just the words, it's the radiating of your body language. It's your smile. It's the energy around it. Lisa, tell me about your family. I'm married. And I talked about my husband earlier that let me quit my really successful full-time job to start this business. I have three kids, two daughters and a son. My oldest daughter has been married two and a half years and has two babies. So I'm a grandma. Does she live nearby? Yeah, really close. And then my middle daughter, she lives close to, she's a graphic designer and she just got engaged two weeks ago. So I get to plan another wedding. So I'm excited about that. And my son, who's the youngest, he's um, in veterinary school at Purdue in Indiana. Did your daughter design your logo? Yes, she did. That is so cool. Yep. She gave us... um, a whole branding guide. It was pretty exciting. We got to, she gave us four different color choices and yeah, we, we went top shelf from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That, that has a lot of meaning and purpose that your daughter helped design it. Where did you come up with the name? So we wanted to talk about helping improve companies, lifting businesses up or elevating them. But everybody has elevate in their name or some form of it. So we went with the Latin for elevate, which was elevare. I didn't know it was Latin. Mm-hmm. I actually got that tip from a really good product manager. And he was like, you take the word and then you look up the word in different languages as well. So how long did it take you to decide on the name? We were at a Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. eating chips and salsa. And... <laughs> We're very, yeah. <laughs> and we started talking about, you know, how we wanted to like elevate businesses. And Lisa looked up different synonyms for elevate and then the word elevate in different languages. So I think an hour. Maybe? Oh my gosh. <laughs> we just went I with can't it. even listen to your stories. They're also calm we don't mess around. and peaceful. No. I'm not saying I'm the problem in my own life, but. <laughs> You guys are also (laughs) calm and easy. Are you two 50-50 in the company? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's what Kevin and I have too in the marketing company. Kevin and I didn't even know each other really that well. I wrote him an email. Yeah, and we made the company 50-50. Kind of a real leap of faith there, right? Yeah. So you didn't know him? I had worked with him for like maybe six months. He worked for Nyla and I was like, you don't charge enough. And I think we could do it a lot better. Kevin was extremely good at all things digital marketing. And then it wasn't until I started speaking in my own voice on LinkedIn that everything really started to change. Because when you're a really small business... Yeah, no one really knows who you are. And so Mm -hmm. they care about the people. And at the end of the day, people still really follow the individual people unless you're a mega brand, right? Like unless you're Coca-Cola or Nike. And I think Wendy's is hilarious on Twitter. But people are following people and people are building relationships with people. And people actually need that constant repetition. So for you, it might feel like a lot in marketing and and the repetition of putting yourselves out there. But... Not everyone's seeing all of your stuff Mm -hmm. and it's much faster and ephemeral. And so you want to build up that reputation so that when they are ready to go, 
they go with you. But the very best thing is to just have an outstanding reputation where it's word of mouth referrals. So for the marketing company and now for Nyla, it is just word of mouth and people are calling us because they already know about us or we're told to call us. People don't actually even do real comparisons when a friend tells them this is who you should use. You're exactly right. So like when we started marketing, we hired a summer intern and his job was to send out 100 cold emails a day to small businesses. We may have gotten like five, six clients that way. But as we've grown and created a more presence on LinkedIn and had more past clients who have been happy with the services we provide, you know, now we're pretty much 50-50. So people we connect, our marketing is transitioned 100% to LinkedIn and referrals. Which I told you to do. Yes. By the way. <laughs> but and then Shana, when you said people like repetition, I have a list of everybody I have ever talked to on the phone about Elevari services. And every six months, I'm shooting them an email. Hey, still here. What do you need? Because that repetition, it's letting them know that even though you're not supporting them, you still think about them. And we strive really hard to make connections with our clients so that even though you've outsourced your BD service, it feels like an internal BD team. It feels so internal. I gave you both uh, Nile email accounts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but also when I was, when you're reaching out to customers on our behalf and mm-hmm. compliments to both of you, I am extremely picky about who I have represent Nyla, how they represent Nyla, what they say. And so, man, that's probably the highest honor that I not only give you an email address, but allow <laughs> you to reach out on behalf of Nyla, because that's a really big deal. It is. To reach out and represent our company, especially when it's to potential buyers. Do you use a CRM tool? We started with HubSpot, but honestly, in full disclosure, right now we're not using any. Ashley and I are just highly organized. And I know that's not true for most people. We just haven't really transitioned to anything else right now. So Ashley, where do you put your note of when to call people? Do you have like this detailed calendar with action items? No, I have an Excel spreadsheet, Shana. So it has like the company name, the individual's name, and then how I met them. So like LinkedIn or referral. And then I have a date of every time I've emailed them. You both love Excel with like your whole hearts? I wouldn't say we love Excel, but it's the tool for us right now that does the job. Ashley. Excel with her whole heart, though. I have to say that. I do. Why do you love it? Well, here's why I like Excel. So we post pipelines, as you know, Shane, in there, but that's also a tool that, like, as we bring on a client and we're doing pipeline development, we don't have to train them on how to use a new CRM or a new tool. You know, everyone has the basic understanding of how to utilize Excel. And so it's quick, everyone knows it. I don't know everything about it, but I'm learning. And a lot of our clients do have internal CRMs and other tools that they use for pipeline development. The Excel spreadsheet allows us to use that as a weekly BD tool. And then they can take the stuff they're interested in and plug it into their internal CRM. Everyone does know Excel. And there's been many a woman on the podcast who has waxed poetically about her love of Excel. I personally have become extremely good recently about even 
doing the formulas and color having it automatically color code also based on what? the state. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, yeah. You can do conditional formatting. You can say if it equals this, and then you can have it turn green or red. Okay, well, I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> conditional yeah. formatting. Okay. Give me your elevator pitch about Elevari and what do you all do? Elevari is a ad hoc support service company for small businesses looking to expand within the federal sector. And we provide two main services to our small business clients. And the first main service is pipeline development. So we are taking that daily task off your plate of monitoring SAM.gov. We do have GovWin that we utilize on behalf of our clients. And then we're also tracking expiring and forecasted opportunities to help our clients be more proactive instead of reactive. And we manage and update your pipeline daily as things come out or evolve. And then the second main service we provide, Shana, is partner identification. So as you know, a lot of small businesses know, typically you need a partner when you go after federal contracts. So either you're looking for a prime or a subcontractor. So once you establish if you want to be a prime or sub, then we help you find the additional teammates. So we look for strategic partners for you to connect with. And we make sure that those partners have current work in that department or agency. They've been a prime under that NICS code or something similar. And then we provide you that contact information. So as we did for you, Shana, we can either reach out to those companies for you. And then once somebody wants to talk, we can loop your team in. And we track all that. So we keep track of all the emails we've sent out to those businesses. Who's responded? Did you have the call? We're helping to bring calm to the chaos of federal contracting. So you meet with so many different people and you're attending webinars and everybody's giving you advice. And we help you focus on what is your strategy, your goals, and just help keep that focus. Stay in your swim lane, stay in your passion. And it's going to take you, you know, the average is 18 months before you win something in the federal space as a primer sub. So you have to stick with it. And I think we bring that calmness of telling you just stay with it and it will work out. And our goal is never to be somebody's long-term permanent solution. We measure success on how soon we can get a team to the next level, whether that be in higher and internal BD resource that takes over what we do for them, whether it's we set up processes for them. Sometimes companies just need some internal processes set up and then they're ready to go. They're good to move things forward on their own. Exploring the federal government can be extremely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. There's multiple departments and all the departments probably buy what you're selling. And each department might have a different way of doing business. And each agency has a different way of doing business. And similar to starting your small business, people are scared to focus on a specific agency we knew our one agency very well and we knew we needed diversification and there's other IC agencies, there's other Department of Defense, there's locations we desire like growing in Tampa and growing in Denver, Colorado, Colorado Springs and Aurora. 
And it's a lot. It's incredibly, incredibly stressful trying to build your pipeline and then stick to it. Yes. And I think that's the value we bring. And that's why we talk to our clients weekly too, Shana, is we have to look at the pipeline each week and figure out what's next. Because if you just let it sit there and you haven't done anything with an opportunity, then the RFP drops and you could potentially be behind the ball if you're looking for a teammate. And I also think we bring encouragement to small businesses. And maybe my master's in sight comes out a little bit to talk people off the ledge of like stopping federal contracting. But you know, you hear all the time, oh, if something's on SAM, it's too late. If it's in the RFI or RFP stage, it's too late. But we've had three clients in the last six months with no federal past experience bid on RFPs that came out on SAM and won. And so while that may be true for some, I think the lesson in that is you have to submit to win. And even if you lose and you get a debrief, that's still a learning experience and it's still a win because you're going to learn what can I improve on my proposal? Is it pricing? Did I miss a document? Well, you also learn your internal processes yes. too, right? Like who needs to do what in the company and what could have we done better mm-hmm. in the company? How did we organize our files? Even just file organization is yes. a big deal. <laughs> it is. But then look too, you know, you submit two or three and guess what? You have a proposal library that you've already established and you can bring that proposal writer in, or if you're doing it internally between just you, you have stuff that you can easily pull from. So you have to submit to win. And like you said, it's scary, but you can't always believe that once it's hit the street, it's wired because we know that's not true all the time. Ashley is extremely good at calling contracting officers and CORs and (laughs) mission chiefs. I am so bold and outgoing, but then I get really shy about calling (laughs) the government. But a lot of people do. People like us, they're just people. And I get really, really shy about calling the government. (laughs) So I think that's the number one thing I love that you do is you like call them, you email them because they are there to answer the questions. And so Ashley, that is your main strength is you are in there talking to the people, hunting down the people, following up with the people, letting them know that there's a company out there who was qualified to do the services that they need to have provided. We had a client who had a kickoff call. They won a contract. And so it was a virtual meeting because of COVID. So he dressed in a suit and the PM and like the CO got on and they were dressed in jeans and t-shirts. And they were like, <laughs> uh, sorry, we didn't get our suits out. And he's like, you know, it totally changed his vision that they are just people too. The government people are there to help you. And, you know, we're working with somebody on a source of saw it and we have questions in and they're not being answered. So I said, we're going to write that up in your response that you referenced the statement of work, but you didn't post it. And we've emailed you three times and you gave us no response. And so you do have to hunt those people down. And then tell the Ozdebu that you are doing that as well. Mm-hmm. And we always tell people that when you submit something, you should be copying in the Ozdebu or the small business liaison for that department or agency. So they are aware that a qualified small business is responding and that more things need to be set aside 
for small businesses. But small businesses have to respond. Well, it's a lot of work to respond sometimes. Mm-hmm. So you have to pick, right? Yes. You only you only have so much time and energy. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pick the best value. Now, Lisa, your strength is GWAX. Tell us about what the heck is a GWAC? Why do I want to be on one? Well, as a lot of people know right now, GWACs are hot, you know, government-wide acquisition contracts. A lot of people don't know. First of all, what is a GWAC for all the people listening who don't know what a GWAC is, Lisa? In your world, it's hot. (laughs) In your world, it's hot. But what is it? Like my sister doesn't know what a GWAC is. (laughs) A GWAC is a government-wide acquisition contract. So it's a contract vehicle that anybody in the government can use to procure services with. So they put out this GWAC solicitation and businesses can um, submit responses. So the pool becomes smaller if you're awarded that contract to provide services to the federal government. So some of the popular ones right now, the one that just got awarded, 8A Stars 3, which you were just awarded, um, that's a popular IT one right now. CIOSP4 was just due this past summer. That one was for NITAC. What's NITAC? <laughs> so this is the problem with the government, right? <laughs> like, so GWAC, every, oh, of course you know what a GWAC is and the NITAC. What's NITAC? NITAC stands for the Information Technology Acquisition and Assessment Center at NIH, which is the National Institute of Health, which falls under Health and Human Services or HHS. I wanted to sell our services for doing data science and analytic development and data flow, data engineering to the health community. And you have to flip and see how they buy, right? Like what's their favorite path to buy? And CIO SP3 was their major path to buy. And so I had to figure out how do they get access to me? Tell us about Polaris and the Big Mac. Polaris is going to be coming out anytime now. It should be coming out in the next week, actually. That'll be due April 15th. That's another um, large government-wide acquisition contract. And that one's coming out through GSA. So they will be the managing body for that contract. There's going to be several pools in that contract. There's going to be a hub zone pool, a woman-owned business pool, service-disabled veteran-owned business, um, small business pool. But that one is also going to be a large IT services contract that the whole government will be able to order through. Big Mac has turned into Service Mac. It's not as fun to say. I know, Big Mac. And I did say Big Mac a lot of times. It is replacing Oasis and 8, which is kind of an IT contract that was a GWAC. And then it's replacing HCATS, which is the Human Capital and Training GWAC that was released through GSA. And it's also replacing the BMO contract or GWAC out of GSA, which is the Building Operation and Maintenance contract. So it's going to be one large GWAC. It's going to have nine to 15 different pools. And it's going to include marketing, social media, IT, training, human capital, a bunch of different things. But what's nice about 
the service Mac is that you only have to bid on the pools you are qualified in. So you don't have to have a team to fill each pool. And there was just an update actually today that the draft RFP will be coming Q3 this year. And then RFPs will be released Q1 of 2023 with awards at the end of 2023. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Did you become an elementary school teacher? No. What was your first job? It was finance in the management training program. I went the business route about halfway through college. I was going to be a forensic psychologist and <gasps> Did you know Manta was a forensic chemist? No. Oh my yes. gosh, I just thought it was so cool and that's what I wanted to be. And then I got through grad school and I was like, oh, I think I'm done. I'm going to work with my friend Lisa. <laughs> I would think that's a hard job. It was exhausting. But the time too, I didn't know I'd be married to somebody in the military who works 16 to 18 hours a day. So we had a shift around and then I had kids and I was like, oh, I, I want to stay home. Do you think there's something unique or special about a woman-owned business or challenges or benefits? I think a benefit would be that women create connections. I'm interested in, you know, our clients, I wouldn't say like personal lives, but if they, you know, say, oh, we're taking our oldest to college, I'm really good at remembering that stuff. And so the next call, like, I want to make sure I ask you how's your daughter doing that you took to college? And so I think making that deeper connection and remembering some of the personal details that people share with you is a benefit of a woman-owned business. And I think one of the challenges is as soon as a woman says they're going to start their own business, the world is kind of like, oh, that's nice. They really don't support you like when men say they're going to start a business they kind of look at it as you're starting a hobby or it's a, oh, your husband works so you can give that a shot. Women business owners are legitimate. And I don't think we're always looked at in that light when we start a business. Yeah, I was very sensitive that it was clear that I was a CEO and not just a paper or face CEO because mm -hmm. when it's a husband and wife combo, people always assume the wife is there just to do the paperwork. It's just this bias that they have that it's the man's business and the wife is the paperworky side of the house. So we've worked really hard. And I think just to, I don't know if it's to prove to the world or to prove to ourselves that we're legitimate business owners and that, you know, we have a place in this world to provide the services that we provide. Do you have tips for other business owners out there? Our number one tip we always tell people and it's just an administrative type tip is when you get started, do not skip on your attorney, not skip on your accountant. Make sure you do everything right from the beginning because you don't want to be playing catch up. Don't start your business first and then go back and try to put all these things in place. And that was just something that Ashley and I felt really strongly about. And it's really served us well to have a good foundation in place before we hit the ground running. I am a big reader. So is there a book that you've read either for personally or professionally that's really made a big impact on you? Lisa, what was the book we read that told us we were conductors? 
I forget the name of the book, but we took assessments to identify if we were like a rainmaker, a conductor. I'm looking at my bookshelf. I'm Born to Build was the book. And then the Leadership Moments, a book I'm reading right now. It's Nine True Stories of Triumph and Disaster and Their Lessons for All of Us. And the other book I'm reading right now that I don't know if it's totally related to business, but it's Tony Robbins' new Life Force book. And I think you have to be healthy in mind and body and spirit to be able to to be successful in your business too. Tell me something about yourself that might surprise others. I have four pigs and 30 chickens. That is extremely surprising. I have talked to you a lot and have never known this. Are you kidding me? No. And I actually sell our eggs for $3 a dozen and they are brown and blue. And this spring we're adding more because I want to sell rosé colored eggs. So they're pink. That is so cool. Yeah. That's super cool. The pigs are living in your backyard? They are. So, well, we have eight and a half acres, almost nine acres. Oh. So they are in their pig pen, but they are cooney coonies. So they're pet pigs. So when you come out, they roll over and they want their bellies rubbed. And it's like having a dog. Do they come in the house? No. I have, <laughs> I have three dogs in my house, Shana. I do not need You have three dogs? <laughs> How many cats do you have? One. Do you have bunnies too? My daughter has been begging for one, but our neighbors bought bunnies and then her bunnies had bunnies and no. They do that. (laughs) They do that. She had no idea. And pretty soon we will have piglets. I thought you lived in like straight up suburbs. Well, I moved from the suburbs to more suburb. It was my husband's childhood house. So we bought it from his parents and gutted it. And then his parents kept a front acre and built a small ranch. You live in walking distance of your in-laws? I do. I'm in their house right now (laughs) because I had to hide from my kids and my (laughs) husband and my dogs. It works out. How far away are your parents? My parents are 25 minutes south of us. Lisa, tell me something about you that might surprise us. A few years back, a friend of mine, her and I, and a couple other people tried to break a Guinness World Book of Records. We tried several things and we tried to stack as many pancakes as we could on top of each other. We tried to, we were going to build the largest birdhouse. The thing we ended up breaking a Guinness World Book of Records for was fastest time buttering a slice of bread. I was a witness to that. It's legitimate. We are in the Guinness World Book of Records for fastest time for buttering a slice of bread. What is the time? I don't remember now. It's been a few years. It it was very precise. So you had to have a witness there. There's a lot of rules to it. And the bread had to be buttered a certain way, uniform, edge to edge. How did the desire to win a Guinness world record come about? How did this group of friends decide that you all were going to go after this? We used to meet once a month. We had a craft club, which was kind of like a ladies night out. We did glass cutting. We made jewelry. We made gourd bird feeders. So we used to do some extreme crafting, but 
one night we just started talking about let's break a Guinness World Book of Records. So we bought that is so funny. We started going through it and trying to find an easy one that we could break that didn't require anything where we would get hurt. That is super cool, Lisa. I am very impressed. What advice would you give your younger self? Dream big. Don't settle for one thing in your life. You know, you may have a goal in your life. Be open to other things because I'm very proud to say as a 53-year-old woman, I was able to pivot and start my own business and find happiness and joy in my career that I've never had before. So don't be afraid to start something new, no matter how old you get. Mine would be, don't be afraid to ask. So when we did that pitch competition... Oh my God, um, that's like your motto. You're so good at it. And you're so (laughs) polite. It's like people can't say no to you. (laughs) And I think that was true when we started Elevari was like, never be afraid to ask for what you want. And also, you should always leave with an ask. Give me one position on this current contract or... What can you add me to now? I'll never forget when we did the pitch competition, they brought in a woman and she had started a like nonprofit company. It was called 1517. She said that the best advice she ever got was never be afraid to ask for what you need or what you want. I mean, what's the worst they're going to say? No. And you're still in the same spot you were before. But if they say yes you're going to be better. If you think you don't deserve something, but you ask for more than that, because most of the time you're asking for less than what they'll give you and less than what you deserve to get. So ask for more than what you think you deserve. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Please be sure to share it with friends and family. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn under the Outspoken Podcast. Thanks again, and chin up, heads up, eyes forward.